Okay, class, today we're going over the financial crisis of 2008. First, can anybody tell me who is responsible for that? Anybody? Anybody? (sighs) Anybody but Brian? In today's episode of Anybody But Brian, we're going to go through the causes of the financial crisis of 2008. Uh, Now, everybody usually has a quick explanation that they can repeat, whether they've heard it from television, read an article, uh, or seen the movie The Big Short. However, my contention is that one of the largest guilty parties in the entire financial crisis is often left out of the equation. And those are the ratings agencies. Uh, So what I'm going to do today is talk about basically who the ratings agencies are and what they do, um, why were they important and kind of how they abused their power, um, and what are the regulatory relationships associated with those specific entities. Um, So in reality, when you talk about the financial crisis, people come up with an answer that covers the entire problem in 30 seconds or less. And one of the rules that I always live by is that you should always be suspicious of a complex problem with a simple solution. So if you took a random poll from individuals on each side of the political spectrum and asked them why did the financial crisis of 2008 occur, uh, the answers tend to be pretty uniform and simplistic. On the left, politicians and activists generally paint the picture of greedy, money-hungry Wall Street executives who prey on ill-informed borrowers who just had the American dream of owning a home. Uh, This banker's cashing his massive bonus check, and the predatory lenders are scoping out desperate people in urban and rural areas that really just want to have somewhere to live for their family. In contrast, if you ask someone on the right, you generally hear stories about borrowers who took no personal responsibility. Uh, There's tons of illegal immigrants or welfare kings and queens that bought houses that they couldn't afford with mortgages they never intended to pay, uh, and people committing mortgage fraud in massive proportions that undermined the validity of the market and really cheated investors and financiers. While both of these stories follow a neat, linear narrative, uh, really they're far from the truth. Of course, there were people who borrowed more than they could afford, and there were mortgage brokers who ignored credit scores or income qualifications to sell another mortgage and cash another commission check. Additionally, there were eager bond salesmen, right, who were trying to package mortgages, come up with new mortgage-backed securities, and then be able to layer those into different options, derivatives, and other financial interests uh, based on the same loans that are going to increase their business and their bottom line. Uh, But in the background of all this lies the issue. Um, You have people who don't understand what they're buying and are making a general assumption that the banker is the expert. And obviously, they wouldn't let them spend money if they couldn't afford it. Um, And this microcosm of how an individual gets into a home that they can't afford is one piece. But in reality, how do you turn this housing crisis into a global financial catastrophe? The short answer is by spreading the risk of these subprime and other complicated financial instruments across the entire economy. If you look at it in short, uh, financial players were able to basically socialize their losses while privatizing their gains. So how did this happen? You know, the average investor doesn't know what a credit default swap or derivative is. And in reality, they don't have the financial wherewithal to be able to execute those trades to begin with. They're relying on financial institutions to help them make those decisions. These financial institutions were the same people who were analyzing tranches of mortgage-backed securities and determining the best place not only you put your money, 
But in addition, where large players like uh, pension funds put their money and 401ks. So one of the biggest drivers, in my opinion, of exacerbating this housing crisis into the global financial recession didn't have anything to do with borrowers or bankers. Um, it's really the relationship between the market and the experts and the advice uh, from people like Standard & Poor's, Moody's, and Fitch Ratings on where people put their money. Now, the average American has no immediate interest or reason to study the nature or roles of any of these institutions. Um, when I say Standard & Poor's, you might have a mild connection to the S&P 500 if you pay attention to the Wall Street Journal or everyday stock market news, but that's about it. Um, in reality, these financial firms had a significant role in where many Americans placed their future. And while each company has its own distinct procedures and practices, uh, the essential service they provide is determining the creditworthiness of a specific bond or security, such as a corporate bond, a municipal bond, uh, money market funds, and obviously mortgage-backed securities. Um, this determination is classified with a standard rating from AAA to C, with AAA being the highest quality and C being the lowest quality. The goal of these different ratings agencies is to measure either the expected loss for an investor in the case of default, which was pioneered by Moody's, um, or the probability in which a security will default, which is the primary motivation behind ratings at S&P and Fitch. These associated rating services are basically crucial shorthand for the riskiness of a particular investment um, for those who might not be experts in the field, which is essentially everybody. Um, for example, if a pension fund manager, say for the like teacher's pension fund for the state of New Jersey, is investigating where's a safe place to put their money, um, they might look at specific bond prospectus, uh, but one of the key metrics they always take into consideration is the risk level for the fund participants who really are trusting that pension fund manager with their retirement savings. However, many of these individuals are really experienced, intelligent people who might not have financial or accounting backgrounds. Uh, beyond that, when you look at the level of complexity of a credit default swap or a collateralized debt obligation, um, these things are not simple to understand. They often were put together by financial engineers who pour through the contents of an entire bond, which would include thousands and thousands of mortgages or different bonds that were made from specific banks, and they're trying to put together an independent judgment on the risk level. Instead, of course, they're largely going to rely on that shorthand from trusted companies uh, of these ratings agencies. Now, the reliance on this makes sense. When you're faced with a difficult decision of investing millions or even billions of dollars, depending on the client, the fund manager and the investor is supposed to trust the experts. The issue only arises when that expert recommendation is tainted. And why would that rating be tainted? I'm, I'm kind of making a big assertion here. But if you look at the history of these agencies, there are new outside pressures and prejudices that arise um, that weren't always there. So each of these individual ratings agencies are now public companies, which brings an entirely new set of pressure associated with these ratings than ever before. So if you think about any public company, they're all trying to deliver value to their own investors. Additionally, they have competitive pressure to try to take market share from each other. So how would this influence their behavior? Obviously, any investment bank or financial services firm that's creating a bond or a security is going to have a relationship with these agencies. Now, if they don't like the rating they get because it negatively influences their product, the security, they might go to a different rating agency. This creates a whole new set of incentives for these organizations that weren't there in the past. 
And unfortunately, these incentives change the behavior of the ratings agencies that severely negatively impact the everyday person on Main Street who's depending on the impartiality of these different experts. So how did we get here? This wasn't always the relationship between the ratings agencies and Wall Street and other financial firms. Uh, in fact, starting back in 1909, John Moody originally brought the idea of the ratings agency to market. Um, his business plan was to sell independent bond ratings, and he was quickly joined by three competitors, which were Standard Statistics, Poor's Publishing, and Fitch. With Standard Statistics and Poor's Publishing eventually joining forces to become S&P. Now, in these early days, each of the rating agencies were really representing the subscribers, uh, the individual investors who were paying them as a service to rate these different bonds or securities. They did not work for the issuers or the financial services companies or banks that put together the individual financial instruments. Conversely, these financial institutions obviously had a large stake in the outcome of the rating, but they had a very small ability to affect it. Um, unfortunately, this model didn't last. In the 1970s, the Securities and Exchange Commission, in an effort to ensure that Wall Street brokers had sufficient capital, decided to penalize brokers for holding bonds that were less than investment grade. However, the key question arose, investment grade according to whom? Um, was the SEC going to individually rate these bonds and securities? No, they didn't have the expertise or the funding, especially in the late 70s due to economic pressures, um, to be able to hire people who could put these together. So the unfortunate reality for the government was they outsourced their regulatory ability. Uh, largely to these ratings agencies to come up with official designations for investment grade bonds or securities. Now, thanks to this new regulation, when we look forward into the 1980s and 90s, you essentially have corporate bonds or municipal bonds that can't be sold without a rating from one of these three entities, S&P and Moody's or Fitch. Um, this severely inflated their role in the overall commercial paper market or basically the way in which companies or even small municipalities raise funding. Additionally, instead of these agencies now working for their subscribers, um, you look at it much more like a partnership between the financial institutions. Uh, really, instead of selling opinions to investors, they're now selling licenses that are enabled very self-interested borrowers to operate inside these credit markets. This conflict only became even more serious in the 1980s, uh, when Wall Street invented structured finance, uh, a general term for securities such as mortgage bonds or other pools of assets that have been turned into ready-made investments. Um, so, for example, when like Ford Motor Company issues a traditional bond, the information necessary for investors to form an opinion about it already exists in the balance sheet. In contrast, when you're thinking about the bundling of mortgages into a specific security, it's a lot more difficult to determine the creditworthiness or investment grade of that asset. So an investor looking at a mortgage-backed security from someone like Lehman Brothers are not going to have the specific details of every mortgage in the security. Instead, what they're looking toward is the shortcut rating from one of these agencies that can inform them of the creditworthiness or the investment grade of that specific asset. This makes it a lot more difficult for an individual investor to determine how risky their particular investment might be due to the lack of clarity of what makes up that investment. Um, there isn't the same level of detail of debt, uh, you know, FICO score, income verification that are correlated with each of the individual mortgages that you might want to see if you're putting money forth against this mortgage-backed security.
So a counterargument might be, why is that a problem? Uh, people outsource regulations or recommendations to private companies all the time. When you think about buying a new car, you could look at Kelly Blue Book or Car and Driver or Consumer Reports or a variety of different private companies that provide recommendations uh, that inform why people buy specific cars. The key difference is not only, obviously, are there much larger financial implications on the total system uh, for mortgage-backed securities and pension investments than a car, um, but in reality, there's no other choice. If you don't believe you know, car and driver on how a Ford runs, you can turn to an official government account, specifically the Department of Transportation and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Um, in these cases, they're completely independent government estimates of how certain cars or trucks perform in specific tests. Um, meanwhile, there is not a corollary for these financial instruments in the regulatory environment of the SEC or even the newly formed Consumer Protection Bureau. So what happens when there isn't this independent government standard? Uh, well, in short, the agencies begin to bend their own policies and procedures. Uh, in 2004, a 34-year-old up-and-comer at S&P wrote to the head of its ratings agency that Moody's had snatched away an assignment, um, specifically that they just lost a large residential-backed mortgage security deal due to a difference in the required credit or support. In this email, the young up-and-comer said that the only way to compete was essentially to have a paradigm shift in the way they thought about risk. Um, and in reality, there was no government check on that paradigm shift in thinking. Instead, now, the motivation for these rating agencies basically became a rapid, quick-turn assessment of each of the items. In order to win their fair share of bonds, uh, of which they were getting fees of about 200000 per rating, depending on the year, um, they needed to rate things highly. In this new world, about 80% of bonds were rated AAA, and even the lowest bonds would merit an investment grade as long as they were mixed with components of other bonds that might have been rejected in the past. The motivation for this was to continue to win new business from financial partners on Wall Street, as well as other financial services companies around the world who were creating these mortgage-backed securities. So what did this mean for the average investor? Well, in short, the ratings, even though they were being treated as, as gold standards, as the investment grade, they were no longer the unbiased, independent assessments of the risk level of those particular assets that they had once been. In fact, when we look back at the financial crisis and large institutions that had significant issues, such as Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, Bear Stearns, AIG, or Lehman Brothers, all of these individuals had investment-grade assets rated at at least A2 right before they either collapsed or nearly collapsed. In reality, the American taxpayer spent hundreds of billions of dollars to bail out these institutions who on their books owned assets that were investment-grade, sometimes even AAA rated, even though the underlying assets in the bond in no way reflected the reality of the financial situation. Ironically, when questioned by Congress how this was possible, the ratings agencies responded that each rating was the opinion of an individual and therefore was protected speech uh, under corporate personhood based on the recent Citizens United decision. So based on that final aggravating point, I think it's pretty clear how the ratings agencies played a major role in the spread of a housing crisis to a global financial meltdown. Uh, basically giving false ratings for fees, uh, losing their independence in the way that they rated specific security and bonds, and then working in partnership with financial services companies 
to get low-level or less educated investors to buy into these complicated instruments significantly facilitated the growth of a local subprime mortgage or housing crisis into a global financial catastrophe.